I have felt like I missed out. Like everyone else has had this huge, life-changing mountaintop experience that changed everything and I just didn't. A few weeks ago, I was trying to talk to my spouse about this particular Sunday and had one of those moments, you know the one I mean, where you absolutely know, you know the word you are trying to say, but it does not come. I, for the life of me, could not remember the word transfiguration. Now, in my defense, it's not a common word, or one we say more than like this one day a year, so I feel like I might be able to get a pass, even though I'm a pastor, I feel like that should be a thing I should know how to say or remember. But what I said to Sam instead of transfiguration was shiny Jesus Sunday. <laughs> uh, it will never be lived down. We've said it so many times in the last week. It's been so funny. And because I'm me, I have just doubled down on it at my house. Henceforth, forever, this is shiny Jesus Sunday. Transfiguration, as, you, as we've said, is the Sunday directly before Ash Wednesday, making it a kind of pinnacle point, no pun intended, before we dip into the wilderness valley of Lent. It is very intentional in the movement of the Gospels. But it is such a strange story. We've just come from all of these moments in Mark's first chapter during the season of Epiphany where Jesus is creating and calling people into beloved community. He's healing and helping and listening and loving. It all feels very normal and Jesus-like, very believable, honestly. And then he hikes up a mountain with a couple of disciples and gets shiny, and then two formerly dead people show up, and then God talks out of a cloud. This is kind of where you lose me in this story, right? It feels very un believable. I don't quite have the right word for it, except it just doesn't fit with the rest of the stories. And sure, we all have experiences we call mountaintop experiences because they make us feel some things, or we've had a moment where God feels very close or present, but I'm guessing that many of our mountaintop experiences don't include shiny Jesus and two dead but not right now dead guys in conversation, right? It feels like a magical tale of mystical wonder instead of something relatable. So because of that, I've spent a majority part of this week asking myself, why does this story matter today? Is it just a tale that we tell over and over again about shiny Jesus? If it is, then I'm not sure it actually does matter, other than a moment of, wow, so that just happened, huh? And that might be fine, but I feel like our faith is more than that. The word we translate to transfigured in Mark and also in Matthew's gospel where this story also appears is metamorpho and it's where we get our English word you'll never guess, metamorphosis. Uh, this word metamorpho only shows up four times in the entire New Testament. So anytime a word shows up only a few times, I find it instantly interesting. The first time is in today's story. The second in Matthew's telling of the same story 
The third time is in Romans 12, where Paul asks us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the fourth time is in 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. I have read that verse every day this week. I love it. This idea that when we see God transformed, we are transformed little by little. I think it's fascinating. Metamorpho, to be changed, transformed, transfigured, this isn't just an outer change, right? Not just sparkly Jesus, but a metamorphosis is a full transformation. Katie gave us the definition in kids' time and stole part of my sermon, so that's cool. No, it's fine, it's fine. Um, but I looked up the definition, of course. It's the change of the form of or nature of thing into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means, which is interesting. The supernatural totally checks out in this story. But again, that question, why does this matter? And not just in general, but for us today, right now, on this day, in this place, in this year. That verse from 2 Corinthians kept making me think about my experience of the transfiguration, and because I'm not Jesus, then that made me think of the disciples' experience of the transfiguration, because they are us in this story. I think so often we assume that on this particular mountain, the only one transformed is Jesus. He's the one that's named that way, of course. It doesn't say anybody else got shiny. But I wonder if in encountering this magical moment, the ones who were really changed were Peter and James and John. Because it's not just sparkling Jesus they witnessed, it's also Moses and Elijah, who, again, I cannot highlight this enough, are supposed to be dead, which is wild. God speaking out of the clouds, which actually has some historical significance for them. This is not uh, atypical. They would know that's how God speaks. Reminding them that Jesus is God's son. How can you not be changed by that experience? It makes sense then that their first and strongest instinct, besides terror, <laughs> is to stay there. You'd think you might run away from something you're scared of, but they know this is special and they want to stay. They want to contain whatever magic this is in a dwelling. Don't we all relate to Peter here? How often do I have a powerful experience and want to hold it close or recreate it in some way? How often is our inclination to stay away or apart or above those who have not had the same experiences we have. People who don't go through it just won't understand. Boy, do we love a mountaintop experience in the church. We highlight them. We invite people to share. We think they are the only thing that matters. We long for these moments that change us, that do something to us. So I fully understand the inclination of Peter to want to live there forever. He got what he had been praying for. He wanted it for, forever. 
We want that same thing. We want to get, hang on to the mountaintop high, to hang on to the feeling. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have that or to stay there. But when we do, I think we make an assumption that what happens on the mountain is the best there is. This is the best of faith you can get. I think a lot of us have been taught, either intentionally or not, that the mountaintop experience is the end goal. That our faith doesn't count or isn't real unless we've had a moment up there with shiny Jesus. We have heard in this place, but some of you at camp or in other areas on the internet or in other worship services, you've heard beautiful testimonies from people who have been through some stuff and had a moment just like that, that moment where God was near or where something mystical and transformational and unexplainable happened. If that's you, if you've had one of those moments, that is so awesome. I hope you never forget that feeling. I hope it stays with you forever. But if this isn't true for you, if you haven't had a moment in your life where God felt especially close or particularly shiny, then I hope you will join me in remembering with no small amount of relief that of the 12 disciples, nine did not have the mountaintop moment. Nine, a majority. Can you imagine with me for a minute what it was like to be the other nine disciples? Just picture that first moment after they all come back down and arrive to their house or camp or wherever they were staying. Hey guys, how was your hike? It was good. Yeah, totally normal, totally normal, totally normal hike. Nothing crazy happened, right, Peter? Nothing crazy happened, just a regular, normal hike. It was, it was good. Yeah. It's hilarious to me. And no matter what Jesus told Peter, James, and John, we know enough about these guys and they're fumbling through faith to know there is zero chance they kept quiet about it. Zero. I mean, would you? You, I would definitely not. I'd come home and be like, you guys will never believe what just happened, even though Jesus is like, Shh, don't tell anybody. So why were there only three disciples up there? Did everyone else choose not to go on the hike that day? Did they do that hike yesterday and just decided, you know what, I'm good, I'm going to stay this one, sit this one out, I'm going to stay home? Were they not invited? That sucks. Were they doing something else? It just doesn't seem fair that they missed out. Just like I have felt like Peter longing to stay in a place where God felt closest, I have also felt like those other nine disciples. I have felt like I missed out. Like everyone else has had this huge, life-changing mountaintop experience that changed everything, and I just didn't. Are Peter, James, and John special? Are they better? I mean, obviously the answer is no. The disciples aren't special. They're just people. If you don't believe me, remember that they never know what's happening, but they still follow. 
Peter, James, and John, who got shiny Jesus, who were on the mountain, who were told the end of the story. Jesus says, don't tell anybody about this until when? Until he'd risen from the dead. Oh my gosh, they got the end of the story and he tells them it's going to happen and they don't remember it at all. They run away when he is dying. It doesn't sink in one bit. Everyone, those who were on the mountain, those who were not, kept messing up, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, getting caught up in fights about who Jesus loved most or who's in the running for number one disciple. They run and hide and question and doubt and deny, and still it doesn't change a single thing about the outcome of this story. I find this wildly reassuring. And it leads me to one point, which is that this story is not actually about the mountaintop at all. Because if it were, then wouldn't everybody be up there? If it were the point, why leave people behind? Why leave the moment for a select few who didn't even understand it while it was happening? So maybe it's not about the mountaintop at all. Maybe it's about everything else. As they make their way down, you might have noticed in the story, Moses and Elijah are gone. So is God's voice. And it's just a normal, same old, non-shiny Jesus. The whole experience is done, and they come back down the mountain together. Author and speaker Glennon Doyle once said that, Everybody wants to be on a mountaintop, but up there the air is so thin you can hardly breathe, and all you can do is stand still and try not to fall. But in the valley, that is where the river runs, sweetheart. That is where the power is. Jesus knows the same truth that Glennon spoke so beautifully. There is power in the valley, not on the mountaintop. It is where all of life happens. Just as we're taught to hold on to and seek mountaintops, which I think does a disservice to our faith, I think we're also taught to be afraid of and run away from valleys. To think that bad things happening in our life means you've done something wrong. But what if none of that is right? What if the highs and lows are not actually what our faith is about? That we don't need to be on a mountaintop or in a valley to have a special moment with God. Maybe the most important part of this gospel story is not the high or the low, but the truth that wherever we are, Jesus goes with us. Up to the mountain, down to the valley, shiny or dusty. All of it. So why does Transfiguration Sunday matter? Because no matter where we are in this story, the truth of it does not change. Jesus has come into the world to transform it. And he does. Whether we see it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we remember it or not, whether we understand it or not, it still happens. Jesus is here to bring about the metamorphosis of the whole world. 
And all of us with unveiled faces are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. And to that we say, Amen. So whether you've been on the mountaintop or in the valley, whether you find yourself in either one of those places today or somewhere in between the two, know that the good news on this day is not that it's shiny Jesus Sunday, but that God goes with you wherever you go. Up, down, all around, God goes with you as together we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. 